0: job in this asset class space um which has meant that there shouldn't be re- any really any real significant fallout uh, for citizens and investors here in hong kong um FTXs and your Binance, they all left hong kong um you know over a year or so ago because the sfc and the hong kong government are implementing new virtual asset legislation uh, next year so a lot of that um, murky grey area when it comes to the asset classes in this space that still need higher educa- education but aren't receiving that um, was, was basically removed um, as a risk uh, risk mechanism. So, um, I mean, yeah, obviously I am SFC licensed, so <laughs> I'm a bit biased, I guess, but they really did a, a very a great uh, preemptive role here in relation to um, um, particularly on the retail side of things um, uh, these companies all left Hong Kong went to Singapore left Singapore and they ended up in Malta in the BVI so okay so um, I think the government's done a great pre job here from a structural
1: point of view. Okay, well, good point and, and good news as well. Well done to the uh, to the SFC. Um, thank you very much. That's Gavin Parry, Managing Director of Parry International Trading, Stuart Allcroft, Asia Fund Management, Industry Consultant, and over in Washington, D.C. Our international economics correspondent, Barry Woods. You're listening to Money Talk on RTHK Radio 3. Just a reminder that Japanese markets are closed today for a public holiday, but in those markets that are, open uh, the sx 200 in australia up 0.9 percent uh in australia uh, sorry in south Korea the cosby up three quarters of a percent looks like we're going to see a rally of about 175 points or so in the hang setting at the open this morning thank you very much for listening please join me again tomorrow morning at eight o'clock coming up after the news is back chat with janice wong and brian wong the weather forecast cloudy with showers and isolated thunderstorms the maximum temperature is going to be about 24 degrees windy and showery tomorrow those showers are going to lessen gradually in the latter part of this week it's 24 degrees right now 92 percent relative humidity And the Times 8.32. Here's Tom Warden with the half-hour news.
2: Thanks, Peter. A group working with grassroots families says inflation-busting increases in electricity tariffs announced yesterday will hit poor households' hardest. From January, Hong Kong Electric customers will be paying 45% more than they did a year earlier. For CLP, the figure is almost 20%. Both cited soaring global energy costs. Si Shan from the Society for Community Organization says people living in subdivided flats will suffer most. She wants the government to offer subsidies. That's
3: disappointing. It definitely will affect the lower class family because actually now many of them they are underemployed, their salary is lower than before. So especially for those they are living in subdivided flat, their bill is very high because there are many people in one bill. So average, the bill will be $500, 600 a month. So you can imagine it would be a burden for them.
2: The government says the Deputy Financial Secretary, Michael Wong, is isolating after testing positive for COVID-19. He was last at work yesterday and hasn't travelled recently. A spokesman said his office was being thoroughly disinfected. His wife, the Commissioner for Labour, May Chan, is also quarantining at home. The U.S. Supreme Court has approved the release of Donald Trump's tax returns to a congressional committee. The verdict marks a legal defeat for the Republican former president. The BBC's Barbara Plett Usher reports. This case traces back to Donald Trump's refusal to make his tax returns public in 2016, the only presidential candidate to do so in decades. When the Democrats gained control of the House a few years later, they argued they needed to see his tax records. To determine, they said, whether the Internal Revenue Service could properly audit a president who owned hundreds of businesses and used aggressive tax avoidance strategies. Mr. Trump moved to block them in court, calling the request politically motivated. But the Supreme Court has now finally cleared the release of the documents, just weeks before Republicans are set to retake control of the House. Indonesia's National Disaster Agency says the number of people killed in Monday's earthquake in West Java has reached 268. Fewer than half of them have been identified. The quake's epicenter was in Chanjur, where thousands have been taken to shelters. Rescuers are searching for about 150 people who are still missing. President Joko Widodo visited the area.
1: I have ordered mobilization of personnel to help the earthquake relief efforts in Tianzhu, especially to clear road access that was affected by landslides. As for those who are still buried in rubble, I have also ordered that the search for victims and evacuation of survivors must be prioritized.
2: The government says the 5.6 magnitude quake caused extensive damage, destroying more than 3,000 homes. Aftershocks were still being felt yesterday morning. And that's the news from RTHK.
4: Good morning and welcome to Backchat. I'm Janice Wong and your guest presenter is Brian Wong. Good morning, Brian. Morning. On today's program, we're talking about the rise in electricity tariffs. Both of Hong Kong's power firms are raising fee- fees, citing the surge in global energy prices and the energy crisis caused by the conflict between Russia and Ukraine. Taking into account rebates and fuel charges, tariffs for CLP power customers are set to rise by 6.4% in January, compared to now, while the figure is 5.5% for Hong Kong Electric. The government says it asked the utilities to keep the fee hike to a minimum. But how will the higher prices Affect the overall cost of living, especially for the needy? How much do promised subsidies mitigate these increases? And are high energy prices unavoidable in this age of heightened geopolitical tensions? After 9 15 a.m., we'll look at sexuality education in secondary schools after a study found that local teaching is inadequate in this area. And at 9 a.m., We'll be joined by RTHK sports correspondent Adam Cheung with the latest on the World Cup. Let us know what you think. You can leave a message on our Facebook page, Backchat on RTHK Radio 3. Email us at backchat at rthk.hk or give us a call at 233-88266. Now, to kick off our discussion this morning, we have Tom Ng, a Greenpeace campaigner, and William Yu, the CEO of the World Green Organization. Good morning to the both of you, and uh, thanks for joining us on the program. So, Mr. Yu, what do you think of uh, the level of increase? Um, It's uh, significantly lower than your double-digit estimate earlier, so so can we interpret this as uh, good news?
5: Well, that is significant increase. No doubt. Compare, you know, when you compare to the uh, previous figure of uh, uh, the last year or 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 even the earlier. So, um, what we are talking about, if we really use a year-to-year comparison, we we are talking about double digits or percentage of increase instead of a single digits. Definitely, because uh, the electricity price especially the fuel uh, charges have uh, been uh, increasing you know uh, maybe more than double um, so far so uh, i think uh, we are talking about uh, uh, over 40 percent of increase and another near 20 percent of increase
4: right we're looking at uh, the rate hikes of uh, 6.4 percent for clp power and 5.5 percent for hong kong electric um is it is it um, this uh, level because uh, we haven't really the or the power companies didn't really take into account of uh, the expected increases to the uh, fuel clause uh, surcharge.
5: I I, I think uh, that that is a, a global phenomenon that um, uh, the demand for coal uh, keep in, keeps increasing because of the uh, the difficult supply of natural gas due to some geo uh, geopolitical uh, reason and we we can see you know uh because uh the the oil uh alliance uh, the OECD um they they uh, are reluctant to increase their oil supply uh resulting in a high increase uh i mean uh, resulting in a higher uh, price level of the oil that uh, also leads to the higher price level of natural gas so uh, the basic fuel we are using uh like natural gas accounts for 50% in our entire energy mix. So that's explain why we have a very significant increase in our entire electricity price.
4: Right. Let's go to Mr Ng. What are your thoughts on the tariff increase? I mean, uh, both power companies uh, cited factors that are out of their control, such as uh, soaring global energy prices. Would you say the tariff increase is inevitable?
6: Well, yeah, we kind of think that it's uh, unavoidable uh, to the Hong Kong electricity price because there's like three main reasons that the price go up. First of all, is the Ukraine war. And then the whole world is going into a post-COVID situation. So everyone is trying to rebuild their economy and require more energy to do that. And then um, the whole world is doing an energy transition. Like the whole world is trying to use more natural gas. So uh, the gas price is getting higher and higher. And all these reason together, uh, like all these three reasons together, will make um, the gas price especially um, higher than usual because the demand is greater than before. So uh, to us, we think that um, Hong Kong needs an opportunity to create more renewable energy before, and that's create a higher uh, unavoidable, unavoidable situation right now. Because most of the Hong Kong energy, we're talking about over 99% of the Hong Kong energy, is imported somewhere else. If we have more renewable energy that is created by ourselves, like created in Hong Kong locally, uh, if the ratio is high enough, we can actually have more control of our energy price. That's less affected by the global energy price. So um, to us, we think that is quite unavoidable at now. And then, um, renewable energy is a solution that can uh, stabilize the energy pricing.
7: So Tom, just want to pick up on that. In terms of our readiness in undertaking the uh, green transition and also transition towards more energy independence, could you perhaps elaborate on what you think the main deficiencies and bottlenecks right now for Hong Kong are? Oh, sorry, well, Just, just in terms of the, the transition towards renewables, as you said, and towards more energy self-sufficiency.
6: So Hong Kong government has some target about uh, renewable energy uh, ratio by 2035. The target is 7.5 to 10% renewable energy. Uh, But we think that it's a little too lagged behind. Uh, Right now, we are only about 2% of uh, energy are coming from this renewable energy source.
7: I see. And what what exactly can the government do in the meanwhile, given that it would probably take some time in order for the renewable transition to fully take effect and kick in? What are the short-term stopgap measures that can help us tackle this energy shortage crisis or the energy price crisis?
6: Well, we think the uh, short-term solution would be uh, helping the underprivileged to reduce energy. So one of them is, uh, one of the solutions would be um Give it, helping them to change their uh, utility at home, like uh, the device at home, to something that use require less energy, like reduce the demand. Because um, we, like government, may may give them subsidy to the underprivileged people, but uh, at the same time, they should also reduce the demand. That is for longer good, longer term good. So uh, we think that in short term, uh, the government should find solutions for the whole society, especially the underprivileged, to reduce the energy usage. And the best way, we think, is to uh, help them to change their device at home. And for long term, of, co- of course, is the one I, talking, I was talking about earlier, is the um, increase the renewable energy ratio.
4: Right, and uh, Mr. Yu, let's go back to uh, the uh, the latest figures. Um, you, you talked about uh, the fuel charge uh, that will um, uh, increase uh, the the actual electricity bill starting next year. Um, how much do can people expect to uh, pay from January if we take into account these uh, fuel surcharges?
5: Uh, Earlier, you said you, uh, maybe you, more you than forty percent. You for the entire electricity bill? Yes. Um uh I, I don't have the exact figure on hand because uh, uh, that might affect it by different level of uh the electricity tariff you, you are paying. Uh but definitely uh I, I think uh, that could increase potentially hundred dollars, you know, compared to the normal bill so uh it's significant. Um, especially uh, for the um, vulnerable groups, as said, so uh, a special subsidy should should, uh, should be offered. I, I think to help uh, them to have some kind of relief.
4: Right, and, and yeah, and uh, Mr. Ng earlier he, he suggested that uh, Hong Kong should be more self-reliant when it comes to uh, um, our energy production. What's your view on that?
5: Actually, um, w- when we're talking about the energy security, we need to have uh, to ensure a stable supply of energy uh, instead of putting all the eggs in one basket. So, a uh, uh, multiple sources of energy supply, especially uh, the regional supply, we should uh, seek for, um, uh, uh, be it the renewable energy. Or other uh, uh clean energy I, I think that's the approach we, we should think about for for uh to increase the renewable energy locally um we are talking about placing uh solar panel on the reservoir uh, um or some uh, open area in in the river or ocean that that could be an option and and another is uh what we define renewable energy uh, one of the sources is from the incineration. Uh, so um, when our incinerator uh, uh, competes um, in the coming years, then that will generate is a, a certain level of electricity to supply home, uh, different uh, 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 a thousand homes. So that could be another source. But but still, I, I think uh, for Hong Kong, due to the geographical limitation, uh, it's hard to have a very significant uh, percentage of increase
4: right and and earlier i mean you talked about how this uh, uh tariff increase will impact uh, the needy the most um at uh, clp power did uh did announce uh, subsidies for for some families in need is do you think it's enough
5: mr um yeah i i i think uh, we we can always do more i i will say but um Definitely, for vulnerable groups, uh, we, we should have a set special subsidies, uh, no doubt. Uh, but, um, I mean, for the general public also uh, who are also consuming energy, uh, we should offer some kind of uh, incentive, economic incentive, to incentivize them to save energy because it's not a one-off action. Uh, when, once you uh, buy the electrical appliances or uh, uh, putting all these devices in place, then the energy saving will continue year by year So instead of a very short-term effect. So I I think we really need to consider launching a a big energy saving campaign in Hong Kong. In the past, we keep on saying uh, we should save energy, but without any action. Now we really need to be serious about this
7: just want to rope in uh, Tom so you mentioned earlier on just looking back at the government's policies and the relative inertia in terms of the way we've undertaken uh, energy transition towards more independence and self-sufficiency so far what do you think has been the government's primary um, areas for improvement that it's not done enough in in preparing us for the ongoing crisis because surely there could have been some foresight right that Volatility, the shocks that we're seeing right now could well affect our energy supply in ways that are deeply devastating. And that's what we've seen so far with the price increases. What do you think, Tom?
6: Well, uh, we think that like uh, to reduce the impact of like this energy pricing to the general Hong Kong citizens will be like, first of all, we have like multiple sources of energy. So uh, having our yield would be a better way. Uh, and we already missed that opportunity, and we hope that uh, Hong Kong can catch up in the future. Uh, the second one is that um, if we had a lot of like uh, energy reducing campaign or strategy for the whole Hong Kong general public, then it would reduce the impact of this uh, crisis right now. But uh, sadly, we don't have enough of this like uh, energy reduction uh, promotion at the back uh, behind uh, before this time. So. Um, according to the climate action plan that the government launched last year they actually had target for like uh, residential buildings or uh, business building to reduce uh 15 to 20% or 10 to 15% energy um but up until today we don't see a lot of like uh actions or measures that the uh, government has launched out so we think that so um government should also like do more like uh, measures they should also launch more measures to uh, like incentives like Ms. Uh, Dr. Yu said earlier like maybe some incentives to for the general public to reduce energy so that we can reduce the demand and also reduce the impact of energy crisis rise
4: Right, and Mr Ng, I know you have to go very soon, but before you go, um, I just want to g- get your view on uh, on measures that the government can uh, take to to help the needy. I mean, you're talking about how uh, some of the poor, uh, the low-income families uh, may, may suffer the most uh, because of this uh, tariff increase. I mean, in the past, the government did have relief schemes to alleviate uh, people's uh, tariff burdens, uh, but, but that uh, has expired already. Do you think uh, that should be brought back?
6: Well, uh, we... Notice that uh, this time, like this year, the Hong Kong government has not uh, released any new subsidies. We don't know if they will have one for the underprivileged yet. Uh, And we think that for the underprivileged people, um, they might need the subsidies, but at the same time, at the same time, we think that the government should also like uh, have a subsidy that is for the uh, hardware, like for the device at their home, to reduce the energy usage. And uh, we also want to remind that if the government is going to release any subsidies to the whole Hong Kong, um, they should not do it to for everyone in Hong Kong, but um, they should focus more on the underprivileged. At the same time, uh, if they really do it for the whole Hong Kong. Um, the subsidies should link up with like, uh, reducing energy. So people reduce uh, use, the usage of energy should get more subsidies than those who are not doing anything to
8: reduce energy.
4: All right, Mr Ng, thanks again for joining us on the program this morning. That's uh, Greenpeace campaigner Tom Ng. And uh, Mr Yu, earlier we talked about uh, uh, high global fuel prices as one of the main reasons for, for the tariff hike. Um, how are other places dealing with this problem? I mean, are Hong Kong people doing better than others?
5: uh i i think so um because they they are talking about uh you know in overseas market uh, uh they are talking about uh, double the price or or, or even quadruple uh, the price so um we we have a, a better position i mean um because of the um um you know the the stable supply and also um i think our our scale um is good enough uh, to maintain a um much more uh, you know um uh you know because uh, we we can uh, have a um uh how to say a stable uh, supply um and long term contract uh, in uh, all these fuel supply so so is uh, um in a much better position
4: Right and and under this uh current uh, situation with the rising global fuel prices and uh the war in Ukraine um do you think uh, power companies should uh, reduce the the, the uh, amount of profit they're making
5: um, because, I, mean, I, I think this uh, uh, has been discussed uh, uh whenever there is a review on the scheme of control um so um uh, the the percentage uh, earned um um, based on the asset value. And, um, um, I, I think, um, when you look at the other, uh, system other than scheme of control in, uh, overseas, uh, that, um, they have a different system. Uh, but again, uh, their, their electricity price continues to, to increase. So I, I would say, uh, sometimes uh, in theory, uh, seems, uh, in the Western world, they have a more advanced uh, kind of uh, um, change and transformation to a new system of uh, monitoring the electricity tariff. But again, we, we, uh, we saw a significant increase in their electricity price. So I, I think uh, we need to keep review on our scheme of control, the mechanism. But uh, at the same time, uh, we can see some advantages. In uh, in our scheme, but also we 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 should um, continue to review. And uh, I I think uh, more importantly, maybe the the cost of capital. I mean, in uh, the entire scheme uh, of control, may be lower uh, compared to the other markets. Mm. So. Um, the reason the
4: reason why yep. I'm asking the reason why I'm asking you about this is because uh, some lawmakers they uh, um, who, who were briefed about this tariff increase they, they complained about uh, the power companies that uh, they're trying to earn the maximum eight percent rate of return under the scheme of control arrangement and uh, these lawmakers they believe that uh, these companies should sacrifice oh, some of their profits I to think, make uh, power bills I, more affordable under this uh, I, I
5: think two utilities at least a the company they are also responsible for their uh, shareholder. And also, um, if they are trying to sacrifice some, uh, profit making, um, then they need, uh, justification, yeah, and explain to their shareholder why they need to, uh, sacrifice their profit earning. I, I think that involves some kind of process instead of, and also, um, the compliance with the contract, uh, uh, contractual relationship that has been established. So I, I, I think, um, we we should respect the game rule, but in the special uh, occasion, uh, we should offer some, I, I mean, special subsidies to the needy or the other. So I, I think uh, we need to um, review this from a mechanism, from the perspective of the entire mechanism instead of a, a one-off uh, kind of a decision.
7: So, th- thank you, Doctor. You talked a lot about subsidies and provision of support for these folks. I presume you meant, you're referring specifically to government subsidies, so to speak. But what can the private sector do to help uh, re- you know, relieve these, these individuals, especially the poor and disenfranchised, of the overbearing cost of living that so would now be kicking in? How can they help, really?
5: I, I think two utilities have announced uh, the special subsidies uh, to a specific group of uh, consumers, uh, um, including the underprivileged families, uh, in the past and also this time. Um, so I, I think they have done something uh, uh, to help relieve, you know, the, um, the 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 burden, I would say, and. Um I because I I can give you some figures is um all this uh uh energy and water consumption accounts for around eight percent to ten percent of the total expenditure of the most uh, vulnerable group in Hong Kong. Uh on the contrast uh on the contrary, you know, uh only two percent to the uh most wealthy group in Hong Kong. So you will see um that uh Energy uh, usage, energy expenditure accounts for a significant
4: portion. But many so of these, in
5: their spending.
4: but Mr. You, many of these subsidies, uh, they're just one-off. I mean, for example, CLP Power, um, they're giving like six hundred dollars to uh, one hundred thousand eligible households, including the elderly, low-income families, and people with disabilities, and then they're giving another eight hundred to uh, uh, fifty thousand tenants of subdivided flats. Um, Is it really enough? I mean, when we look at how um, we're going to expect tariffs to continue to increase, I guess, with the uh, global fuel prices uh, on the rise? Uh,
5: I I think, um, yeah, we we should figure out a more holistic approach to, you know, how how we can offer further support to these uh, vulnerable groups um, instead of a one-off action. I totally agree, but not for all. So we only... uh, uh, offer support to those needy and but uh, for the overall uh, uh, strategy is to incentivize the public to save energy i, I think that uh, should be the suitable approach in order to bring down the consumption to help the planet with uh, lower carbon emissions I, I think that's the approach we should further consider
4: How difficult would you say that task will be? I mean, Hong Kong people, they're used to uh, turning on the uh, air conditioners during summer. And then we always have uh, hot summers these days. I mean, how difficult do you think the task Uh, will be?
5: We we are going to announce a survey result um, um, uh, because uh, we did uh, some kind of survey um, uh, temperature measurement in the restaurant and cafe in uh, Hong Kong. And... uh, uh, We are going to announce the result, but we saw, you know, the temperatures keep on like uh, 18 degrees, 20 degrees Celsius uh, at the indoor temperature. I I do think we still have room for improvement Uh, uh, to avoid energy wastage will help to relieve our electricity bill.
7: We certainly have room for improvement, but I guess the point that we we could see here is it's just been very hard to tackle inertia on the part of the public who do not see this as a matter of their concern. So how can we overcome that sort of inertia and change the hearts and minds? That's really a challenge that requires more efforts from both public and private sectors, don't you think, Doctor?
5: Um, uh, based on uh, the overseas uh, experience, the international experience, I, I think uh, behavioural change uh, through some social marketing uh need, uh nudge uh, marketing or some kind of education will uh, make some improvement on the one hand. And on the other hand, I was told, you know, because due to the increasing electricity price, um, uh people's behavior start to have a, a little change. I have some change because uh, they, they start to have a higher awareness and, uh, uh to gain more willingness higher willingness
4: to save energy I, I All think right. that's a good sign Alright Mr Yu we uh, have to take a break for the news summary very quickly thanks again for joining us this morning that's uh, William Yu the CEO of the World Green Organisation and we'll continue our discussion in three minutes time when we'll be joined by Si Chan Shan from the Society for Community Organisation and Kenny Ng from the Kwai Chung Subdivided Flats Residents Alliance and now uh, here's the weather cloudy with showers and isolated thunderstorms the uh, top temperature will be Around 24 degrees. Winds moderate to fresh, east to northeast, leaves occasionally strong offshore. And uh, right now, the temperature reading at the observatory is 24 degrees, relative humidity
2: 92%. Just weeks before Republicans are set to retake control of the House. You're listening to the news on RTHK.
4: Welcome back. This is Backchat on a Wednesday morning with Brian Wong and me, Janice Wong. In the first part of the program, we, we got expert analysis on the uh, tariff increase, and now we're going to see how big of an impact the increase will have on people in, uh, in the grassroots. And if you have any comments or questions for our guests, you can email us at backchat at rthk.hk or give us a call on 233 Joining us uh, on the program now is Sila Shan, the Deputy Director of the Society for Community Organization, and Kenny from the Kwai Chung Subdivided Flats Residents Alliance. Good morning, Ms. C. Good morning. And good morning, Mr. Ng. Thanks for joining us on the program. Um, so first of all, Ms. C., what do you think of the level of increase and how significant will its impact be on uh, lo- uh, low-income families? Uh,
3: of course, definitely uh, uh, we uh, have, have uh, affected their living because actually now uh, many um, families, they before they unemployed for many months, and then some of them even that bad, and now and some of them they uh, get the job but still um, not full time job, and and the payment actually the the wage is lower than before, so they already hard for them to um, meet their uh, uh, daily expenditure. Um, so you and the actually, before that the, the energy, uh, free is increased a lot. They already say the interest three bill is too high. So now if they uh, increase the
4: the, the fee, there would be um, uh, much more burden for that. Right, and Mr. So- N- let's go to Mr. Ng also. What about uh, residents of subdivided units? Uh, I mean, have you spoken to them about this increase? What have they been telling you?
9: Actually, uh, we know that uh, the, for those subdivider families uh, who are uh, who are suffering in a uh, relatively higher uh, electricity fee because they charged it unfairly by the landlord had already bear a very high uh, 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 um, uh, cost about the electricity fee already. If the electricity company uh, increased the fee, it is a good excuse for the landlord and also the agency to charge them uh, read, uh, even higher. Uh, electricity. Electricity fee. Although we know that uh, for the uh, tenancy control, it is now applied on the uh, certificate front. But however, uh, if uh, uh, it is not very work uh, on uh, controlling the uh, uh, electricity fee charging on those residents, so that's why uh, we 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 we, will, we can focus that, uh, that uh, if they increase the electricity fee. And uh, They will. Uh, the landlord will use this as an excuse to charge them a relative high, even uh, we 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 found that it is at uh, higher than uh, two dollars per degree, or even three dollars in our in our community. And uh, now and uh, nowadays, so they will charge an even higher price.
7: Uh, Kenny, are there? Tenants um, in caged homes that you find in certain areas that have to pay more than their counterparts in other areas to offset the energy prices. So, for instance, are people living in Chung, Chunwan and possibly Tunmun forced to pay or are they paying cheaper prices as compared with, say, folks living in caged homes in North Point and Wan Chai?
9: Actually, they they are uh, normally I, uh, I I have been in contact with those uh, residents living in Kwai Chung and Chun Wanpo. And normally, they said the, they, the so-called they said the so-called standard price is 1.5 or 1.6 dollars per degree of electricity. Uh, they are charged. It is already higher than those charged by electricity companies, or uh, etc. And um, and but uh, it, uh, and the highest i have heard before is 2.8 or three dollars per degree so it is three times of the those original price so uh, i think in different districts uh, the price are similar uh, no matter if it's in general Wan Chai or Wan. so they, uh, for those uh, residents they are bearing a, a similar price which is higher than those normal
4: Right. And Missy, um, we're just looking at yeah. electricity uh, tariff hikes here. But uh, when we look around us, it's not just the electricity bill that's uh, expected to go up. But uh, for example, yeah, are there many things yes, for example, to the to Star PC. Ferry, the Star Ferry is trying to double its fares. Um, yeah. I mean, what, what impact will this have? I mean, or are these uh, low income families uh, concerned about these increases?
3: Yeah, actually, we said there uh, uh for example, they the only thing they can skip is the meal. Uh, some of them they will skip one meal a day, or uh, uh, every meal they have less uh, 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 um, less uh, uh, um, for for the for the, for the family to, to eat. And then uh, also they they would skip, uh, for example, if the children actually they need to have tutorial costs but they cannot afford to, to pay for that. So so they will satisfy their the meal or their education. Um, so it's it's bad because um, it's important for the for the nutrition of children and also important for the uh, education for the children. <coughs> but but they have to pay for the electricity bill. Otherwise, they they would be cut their uh, power or something like that. So it's um, uh, hard for the family to uh, bear with it. Right. And besides, I think for those uh, electricity bill, um, it, sometimes it's not not be, not because of their uh, district but but the tenant that the, the pencil tenant or the nano whether they 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 have a good heart or not they um so how much they charge for that and and of course the the, the um company they charge high and then uh, the, the nano they charge higher yeah. and so even there's a law and um, the uh, we we we, um, we see we observe that actually uh, many men do not follow the law.
4: Right. I actually have an email here. It's about the Star Ferry. It's from John. He says that in the 1970s, it would cost you 10 cents to travel on the upper deck from Central to a Tsim Sha The company is now looking to charge patrons $8.40 on the weekend. I can't think of any other service or product in Hong Kong which has increased its prices by over 80 times over the past 50 years. and. uh That doesn't even take into account that the journey time is at least 25% shorter nowadays after the pier was relocated a few years ago. Instead of increasing fares, the owner, Wharf Wharf Real Estate Investment Company, should freeze fares and subsidize the business. After all, Wharf's sprawling Harbour City retail complex is one of the major beneficiaries of the Star Ferry. Wharf reported underlying net profit of. 3.37 billion in the first half of this year, a 3% increase year-on-year. Despite Hong Kong's economic recession, it can comfortably afford to absorb Star Ferry's small loss. And that email is from John, Um, Mr. Ng. What do you think? I mean, um, what do you think of the impact it may have uh, on uh, other, like other low-income families, uh, like uh, the group that uh, you're helping, people who live in subdivided flats?
9: Uh, actually, uh, I think that uh, yes, the will uh, they will use less electric, Try to use less electricity because it is uh, already very hard to them. Because uh, nowadays uh, the, the electricity fee for them normally have already at, uh, six or seven percent of the, out of their income. Already, and we know that the rent, the rent for them is already 12, around forty percent of their income. So, for the housing, uh, housing uh, uh, expenditure for them, including the uh, uh, electricity and also the uh, uh, rent, is already half of their income. So, if it, uh, the the incident um, uh, uh, the increase the electricity fee nowadays, they will bear even higher. Um, higher uh, 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 percentage of the income. Normally in international uh, 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 around the, the whole world the, the, uh, there is a standard for uh, 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 energy, energy poverty.
4: And Mr. Uh, Ng, and Mr Ng, we're not just talking yeah. about uh, electricity here. We're also like uh, our listener John just mentioned we're talking about uh, possible hikes in uh, Star Ferry fares. Yeah, yeah. Mr Ng? You mean, uh, excuse me, sorry. Yes, Mr Ng? So we're looking at Star Ferry fares increasing as well. I mean, is it going to make a life a lot tougher for, um, for example, for your group, I mean, members of your group?
9: About the traffic, you mean?
4: Yes, Star Ferry, yes.
9: I think it is not very related to them because they seldom go to go uh, by ferry. But, um, uh, yes, uh, 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 besides the electricity fee, I think the transportation fee is not very... Um, uh, quick uh, pressure to them, especially for
7: our family. Miss C, I want to pick your brains on this. Is the government doing enough?
3: I don't think so. Um, actually, you can see actually, they don't have much subsidy for that. And besides, uh, even they sometimes have a uh, subsidy, but it's uh, only for those non-subdivided friends, because they cannot uh, uh, go to the subsidy So only they uh, uh, have their Program for anything subsidy. Uh, Those uh, they are not no uh, no living in public housing, no uh, uh, SSA. But but this year year the city government did uh, not implement this uh, program, and then they said they they will not implement this program unless the government they have some subsidy for the. Public housing, and then they need to have the uh, 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 same for the sub, uh, I don't know this kind of theory uh, but you can see actually for those living in uh, uh, this kind of uh, uh, in housing, they actually they have more deprived and they need to pay higher uh, rent uh, higher in sea or water or all the things and <laughs> so I think at least, um the government they should do. More subsidy, and besides, uh, for the electricity level, whether they can, because there are many people living inside a, a room, and then their um, charge will be higher as many people they use more. So, whether they can waive the, the level a uh, 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 charge, I think they, the government, they can speak <coughs> with their uh, company.
7: Thank you. And Kenny, I believe the government has tried to introduce rent control laws previously that would specifically address the energy prices that tenants in subdivided flats have to pay. Uh, Have these regulations succeeded? Are they being well enforced or do you see them as merely, uh, you know, in many ways um, nominally passed but not actually implemented?
9: Actually, in we found we know that uh, as uh, you said, um, is that the rent uh, the uh, tenancy control is started from to uh, this year, the uh, twenty second of January, and uh, but however uh, over nearly one years, uh, we found that it's not as. Yes. Okay.
4: Mister. Hello. Unfortunately, your your line is. Uh... Are you here? Can you hear? Yes. Now, now it's okay. Please continue. Uh, sorry.
9: So, so actually, the the, uh, the law is not very successfully uh, protect our uh, residents because uh, for those landlords and also the agency, they just said that uh, uh, if you de- uh, didn't pay our price, uh, just let the rest, uh, the fee or the rent, uh, uh, you can find another friend. And they did not are afraid uh, afraid of the uh, the tenancy control, and because we find that uh, for the government they cannot uh and. Uh, um Make the law uh, uh, su- uh, successfully applied on those low the landlord or the residents. Okay. So I think that, that, that it cannot protect the residents,
4: right? And, and, and just finally, Miss C. I mean, earlier, I mean, some of our guests suggested that uh, apart from possible subsidies for for those in need, we should just try to uh, cut down on uh, our power usage. Is, is that a good idea? Why can't we just tell low-income families to use uh, lex, uh, less uh, power?
3: Um, actually, they try already try hard to to cut. To, uh, for example, it's very hot uh, summer. They and even everyone will be open their all, uh, 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 air conditioner uh, the whole night, and then they just um, turn on a few hours and then turn off um, because they want to save their uh, industry and and save, they don't want to pay more uh, for the bill.
4: Right, so in yeah. your view, a subsidy will be the best.
3: Right, so People subsidies do would, would how
4: hot. so subsidies from the government would be uh, most useful then. Yeah. All right, and Missy, we'll have to leave it here for now. Thanks again for joining us this morning. That's Si uh, Shan, the deputy director of the Society for Community Organisation, and many thanks also to Kenny Ng from the Kwai Chung Subdivided Flats Residents Alliance.
1: You're listening to Backchat. Call us on 233 266 and have your say.
4: It's now 17 minutes past nine and it's time for us to turn to our next topic. And it's about a new study by the Equal Opportunities Commission on Comprehensive Sexuality Education in Secondary Schools here. To tell us more, we're joined on the line now by Doris Cho, the EOC's Acting Head of Policy Research and Training. Good morning, Ms. Cho. Good morning. Good morning. Thanks for joining us on the program. Um, so your study shows that there's uh, not enough sex education in schools. Can you tell us more about your findings?
10: Yes, I think one of the uh, major findings from this uh, uh, comprehensive sexuality education study is um, we found that 85% uh, um, 0.2% of the schools included sexuality education in different subjects, so it's not a standalone subject in itself. And also, uh, around half of the schools offered only five hours or you know below uh, hours uh, of sexuality education classes in junior and secondary and senior uh, secondary levels.
4: And uh, how does that compare with uh, other places?
10: Um, I think... Uh, in terms of, I think uh, in we uh, even in 1997, uh, there's a guideline. Uh, 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 it's a guideline on access education in schools in Hong Kong. Uh, even in th- now, it's actually a historical document. Now, uh, it's no longer available, uh, published online. But uh, it suggested uh, that a total of 36 hours and 30 hours of sexuality education classes should be allocated to junior forms and senior forms, respectively. So. Uh, uh, that's around the amount of hours also recommended by in another jurisdiction as well.
7: Um, so what could explain this relative neglect and uh, non-allocation of resources towards sex ed? Is it the cultural conservatism? Is it that schools don't find it important? Or that we don't have well-equipped and well-qualified teachers to engage in a teaching here?
10: Um, I think it's a basket of uh, various factors. Um, I think uh, nearly half of the uh, interviewed school representatives uh, uh, believe that um you know, it's really insufficient, but some of the difficulties, uh, for example, is because of the time of the school curriculum, if uh, there's no time. 82% of them believe that this curriculum is already jam-packed, so there's no time for that, and also uh, 60% of them think that there's no relevant uh, training uh, 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 for teachers, and also around half of them think that, you know, there's a lack of structured or appropriate uh, teaching materials, because right now it's very much a school. School-based approach. So, but there is uh, actually the latest. There's the value uh, education framework, which also includes some elements of uh, sexuality education uh, uh, topics. But we think that uh, it could be, you know, further developed in that sense.
7: If we take a deeper dive into the curriculum of sex ed, um, Doris, what what do you make of the quality of the contents? Do you think it's informative, balanced, value neutral, or do you think there are certain limitations and restrictions in it that you'd you'd caution us against or or about? Uh, I think from the findings,
10: a lot of the school representatives, Uh, Principals, the teachers, or you know, uh, people you know who deliver uh, 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 sexuality education from the NGOs, they uh, all pointed out that the current curriculum is very much uh, focused on the uh, physical aspect and the biological aspects. Uh, You know, uh, there there, there are some topics uh, covered on dating and also uh, also uh, puberty, you know, self uh, image, but uh, uh, the the uh, there are half of them believe that, uh, for example, uh topic of uh, sex law and ethics um, and also sexual orientation and gender identities uh, and also the uh, sexual informed consent, all, the, all these kind of topics, they are not so much covered by a lot of schools you know,
4: that, that that we interviewed. Right. And, and Ms. Trey, earlier you mentioned uh, 30 hours. I mean, there should be 30 hours of uh, sex education at schools. I mean, are you talking about uh, sex education as a standalone subject, 30 hours of uh, sex education as a standalone subject, or, or should it be uh, incorporated in uh, other subjects?
10: Um, well, well, I think this uh, whether it's a standalone subject or whether it should be incorporated, this really uh, has to be decided by the government. But right now, it's uh, it's a uh, it's a cross curriculum uh, subject amount different. It's split around different. Uh, Subjects, Uh, but of course, um, I think uh, as a start, it's good to at least uh, stipulate some recommended hours uh, by the government for the teachers uh, to at least get a sense that, for example, even okay, if the curriculum is really packed. Uh, 30 hours, 36 hours may not be possible. Then is there also some more, you know, uh, 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 for example, maybe, you know, 25 hours, you know, w- whether that would work, you know, in the curriculum. I think uh, as a starting point, having a, a set recommended hours would be useful for the schools to follow as well.
4: Right. And what problems may arise if there is an inadequate sex education in school?
10: Well we think that uh even from the uh, uh some of the focus group we found that uh you know they may have some uh, wrong values about uh um, for example, uh, about dating, about and, uh, you, you they might pose, For example, they don't respect other people's boundaries, and they post, uh, you know, nude pics of their of their, for example, uh, classmates, or or even you know they you know this would affect you know in terms of our other surveys, we found that you know sexual harassment in the university setting, you know, four one in four students they uh, encounter sexual harassment. So we felt that you know various survey. Uh, from sexual harassment also point that it's good to tackle this problem from its root and it's basically sex
4: ed. Right, and so far we've been talking about sex education in school, but uh, um, is it completely fair to put the responsibility uh, all on schools? I mean, what about the role of parents?
10: Yes. Uh, precisely, um, I think it's not just uh, one one you know party 's uh, role to do that. Uh, we also in one of our recommendations, uh, we felt that uh, you know if the government could provide more uh, resources uh, for you, and support for parents to um, talk about uh, sexuality education with their kids, uh, that would be also ideal because uh, you know in in the in, in Hong Kong society, perhaps this is uh, uh, A little bit uh, conservative topic uh, before, but uh, I think society changes and, you know, sometimes parents didn't grow up having parents, you know, teaching them about uh, SES ads. So it would be good to have some support and resources and tools for them to, you know, start the discussion with their kids as well.
7: You listed out a series of factors just then as to why sex ed is not as prevalent as it should be. Um, notably missing though is the role of parents and potential backlash from parents. Does that suggest to you, Doris, that perhaps you know parents are in fact more open-minded about uh, having curricula inc- incorporate more elements on sex ed as compared with uh, what we commonly believe, which is that they are relatively conservative?
10: Um, well, I think, uh, well, in terms of this finding, uh, we did not find uh, a lot of opposition about uh, from the parents as we thought we might uh, uh, we meet because uh, they, they, they 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 are uh, in general they are supportive of this uh, idea. And but I have to point out that, for example, there may be uh, non-ethnic Chinese parents. Um, because of their cultural differences, uh, one of the, in one of the focus group, um, it was mentioned by a teacher. Uh, they said that ah, oh, their parents might uh, want their uh, girls to skip uh, the class uh, because they might consider it a sin to hear about uh, such topics on sex, on sets. For example, contraception. You know, they might ask. Whether whether their girls could skip it. So uh, I think it's not just, you know, a, a, a one-sided view, but, you know, it's, a, you know, there, there are different factors that has to be taken into account.
4: All right, Ms. Choi, we'll uh, have to leave it here for now. Thanks again for joining us this morning. That's uh, Doris Choi, the Acting Head of Policy Research and Training at the Equal Opportunities Commission. It's now 25 minutes past nine, and it's time for our World Cup Roundup. Good morning, Atom. It's just day three of the World Cup and it's already produced one of the biggest shots in the history of the tournament, right?
8: Yeah, I I was totally surprised. I mean, when I watched that game, I thought Argentina was in control and, and they were throughout the first half. And then the two goals just happened so quickly and very early in the second half as well. So... I think Argentina really got complacent because they looked really good in the first half. They got an early penalty from Lionel Messi, up 1-0. They actually put the ball into the net three times in the first half. Uh, All of them got called back because of offside. So they thought, okay, we can easily run through this Saudi defense, Um, which is what they did in the first half, even though they were offside a lot. But then in the second half, two quick goals from Saleh al-Shiri and Salem al Daswari made it 2-1 for Saudi Arabia. And, uh, and that was the way it finished. A credit, though, to uh, the Saudi coach, Irve Renard, for uh, using a, a rather risky tactic. He played his defense up high to put pressure on Argentina, so, sort of focusing more on the attack. And, uh, and that worked.
4: Right. And you're talking about, I mean, for some of us who didn't watch the match, you're talking about uh, the game between Argentina and Saudi Arabia. And uh, what is the ranking of Saudi Arabia? Arabia. They
8: are ranked 51st in the world. And another amazing thing is Argentina came into this match. They were undefeated in the last 35 games.
4: Wow, and uh, (laughs) that's fascinating. And uh, apart from this uh, fascinating match, I mean, what other games uh, were were on last night? I mean, was uh, one that I know there's one that includes France, right?
8: That's right. Yeah, I'll get to France later. I just want to mention that Mexico and Poland ended in a draw. So they're in the same group Mm -hmm. as Argentina. And I think Argentina have to be thankful for this because if they win their next game, they could get back to the top half of the table and the top two of each group advances to the last 16. Now, you mentioned France, the defending champions. They got off to a pretty good start. I say a 4-1 win is a good start against Australia. Uh, They were down early, but they fought back, scored four unanswered goals. The main takeaway from this game, I thought, was the performance by Kylian Mbappe. He was on fire. I know on the score sheet, he only got one goal, but he was all over the place. He was ready to score two, three more, and he made a beautiful setup on that uh, second goal by Olivier Giroud. So it's good to see Mbappé firing on all cylinders. I also want to mention Olivier Giroud now 51 international goals to match Thierry Henry all-time in France scoring leaders.
7: What are the differences and similarities between Saudi Arabia and Australia's approach to games?
8: You know, it's interesting. Um, Australia, they are pretty well-rounded. They don't have a big name up front that scares you, so they play more as a team. Now, I'm not saying that South- the Saudis don't play as a team, but they do have several players who are a lot more experienced than the rest of their team. That includes their goalie, um, El Moez, who uh, made some key saves down the stretch. And the two players who scored, El Desuari and El Sherry, both combined for almost 100 caps for the Saudis.
4: And just finally, Atom, what matches are on tonight?
8: Well, tonight, uh, it's uh, Group E. Uh, Germany and Spain are both in action. Uh, First up is uh, Germany versus Japan, that's followed by Spain versus Costa Rica. And uh, in Group F, uh, in fact, that's the first game tonight. That's between Croatia and Morocco. Uh, Croatia, of course, reached the final four years ago. I'm really looking forward to the Belgian game. They're up against Canada. And this is uh, for the Canadians, their first time in the World Cup since 1986. They're just hoping to score a goal because the last time they were in this, they lost all three matches without scoring.
4: All right, Atom, unfortunately, this is all we have time for. Thanks for again for joining us this morning. That's our case sports correspondent, Atom Cheng. Many thanks also to you who commented or emailed us today. And of course, to our guest presenter, Brian Wong and producer, King Now, here's the weather cloudy with showers and isolated thunderstorms. The top temperature will be around 24 degrees with moderate to fresh east to north easterly. occasionally strong offshore. Right now it's 24 degrees, relative humidity 91%. I'm Dr. Sil Kakao, paediatric respirologist. The best protection for kids aged six months or above against the surging pandemic is arranging for them to get COVID-19 jabs. Catching COVID-19 isn't like having a cold or flu A severe case like encephalitis may lead to intensive care or even death Vaccination can reduce severe cases in
8: pregnant women who can then pass antibodies to the fetus Newborns can also get the antibodies through breastfeeding from vaccinated mothers